Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Chris with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is James Tabor with Media Protocol. Hey, James, how's it going today? Hi, Chris. I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm great. Thanks for asking. James, tell us about your background and how you got involved with uh, Media Protocol. So I've been in advertising in one way or another for the last 15 years, if not longer. Uh, I'm the kind of annoying kid. If you tell me a, a strap line or sing me a jingle from some sort of 80s TV campaign, I can probably tell you who it was, where I saw the ad by. And now having spent some time in the industry, probably the underlying strategy that goes behind it. But about a decade ago, um, I started selling billboards and uh, then working the digital and commercial rights. And I left the industry and got, because I was getting frustrated by how inefficient and difficult it was to plan and buy media. Uh, data was solid in certain places. And around about this sort of time, other members of the team at High Media Protocol were doing the same sort of thing. And we started doing, uh, I started doing um, one project where we were making it easier to plan and buy uh, outdoor advertising, another one we were working with um, you know, mobile phone data signals and beginning to try and start overlaying those with how you buy um, press or radio or, or TV and even digital. So we were doing big data before big data. We were doing AI before it became sort of a trendy buzzword for a bad big data project. And when myself and some other members of the team read the Ethereum protocol two years ago, it was like a light bulb going off in our heads that meant that this was kind of the missing piece of the puzzle about how you always kind of hit this 
barrier of how do you get people to do certain things that they have agreed that they're going to do. And I got involved with the guys probably about a year or so ago. We'd been lunch buddies in a co-working space um, from a couple of years back. And it wasn't just like the instance of, oh, we found this cool thing. Let's drop everything. We had to have a seriously big think about uh, where this fit into you know the, the, our frames of reference, how it was, how we could possibly, we knew we could do something with it, but it was working out what we were going to do with it. And actually, media protocols come from that sort of meeting of meeting of uh, meeting of people trying to move along the journey, and it's the, the next logical step for us. Um, it's also why we're still in the media and advertising industry. We didn't decide to take blockchain and jump into something else that we didn't necessarily understand. Okay. Um, now, you, you kind of alluded to the smart contracts involved with Ethereum. Were there more specifics that were in, um, involved in that attraction to um, the Ethereum platform? Well, for us, the Ethereum platform is such a great place to create what we would see as the POCs for what is such a, you know, the new and emerging technology that's blockchain. So the media protocol has already been written using uh, the ERC-20 uh, smart contract. So it can be fully parameterized to uh, do the various functions that we needed to do. But what's great about Ethereum is that it's captured the imagination of so many technologists that a lot of the developments that are going on in the rest of the blockchain space around, say, capacity, throughput, calculation speed, um, pretty much all of them will be supporting ERC-20. So it's just a logical place for us to have started. And there are other benefits that we see to it as well, especially in the UK. There's a quite a large um, Ethereum meetup movement that was started really kicking off in London around sort of late 2015 through to like 2016, 17, and, and now 18. So there's a number of number of benefits there. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit more about some of those benefits that you're seeing? Actually, I can't talk hugely in depth about um, Ethereum as a technology. I have to defer that one to my CTO. Bit of further background on me is that while I've, I'm, a, I'm a history graduate and while I've had a number of, about a decade working with technologists, there gets a certain point where I just can't, uh, carry on with great authority. So I'd hate to, I'd hate to waste your listeners' time by listening to me expound on the um, where's and why fours. What I can say okay. as media protocol is that we, we've not married ourselves to a um, a specific blockchain as yet. But ERC twenty, what we expected to see most um, other projects supporting that as a jumping off point. That's where it appeals to us from a flexibility point standpoint. I mean, to hop back to what we've been talking about as well. Now, blockchain is part of a solution for us. It's not the solution. Now, media protocol has to deal with huge amounts of uh, huge amounts of data, huge amounts of throughput, potentially huge amounts of calculations being run. And there are lots of different solutions out there that already do that far better. We can just use the blockchain for settling up what it is that people are trying to achieve. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's talk more about what media protocol does. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind it, of a a background on that and and what it's what solution is trying to um, come up with. So it would be great, Chris, if there existed a decentralized network that allowed people to create, promote, and share content and actually get recognized for their role in uh, promoting it or sharing it or um, helping it grow or forming a tribe around it. Well, actually, that network does exist. It's called the internet, and the internet's been with us for quite a long time, but it's it's actually been broken uh, or, or our experience of it. Has been broken. It arrived and has grown so organically that we've ended up with the same media construct that we had before the internet existed, which is audience aggregation and actually data aggregation. So the first audience aggregation play was when a caveman drew on the side of a wall for sale one large woolly mammoth. And he drew on a particular cave wall because it's where 
other cavemen walked to and from the water hole or to go hunting. So he knew he had an audience. We see that same audience aggregation happening in subway stations and in airports with billboard contracts. Now, if we fast forward that to like radio stations or TV stations, uh, you know, radio plays or soap operas, that was how you got big sponsors involved because you created a captive audience. Now, fast forward to our modern day, and we've kind of got the web 2.0. We are the product. We've got free, um, you know, we've got big, big audience aggregation plays, big data aggregation models, such as Google and Facebook, who are claiming to own audiences. Now, they will say to an advertiser, much like, um, say, ITV, which is a UK TV channel, would say to Hovis back in, uh, back in the day, we have this audience, you should buy Coronation Street. They will come and say to a Nike or a Burberry or even yourself, we have this audience of people, you should be buying this. You should be buying some space, you should be promoting your content. And onto that, when you buy that space, you put one thing. Okay, you put a description, you might put a picture, but what you're actually gonna be putting on there is an endpoint, is a URL, a way that brings people back to a piece of content that you want them to read, engage with, listen to, watch, and then share. So URLs allow you to basically, or HTTP allows you to define the flow of data between devices across the internet. And since we're all devices, because we're carrying smartphones and we're uh, attached to our tablets and we're engaging via computers, we can use blockchain to track and bring clarity to the flow of data between devices, but also to award or attribute value via tokens to people doing what they say they're gonna do. So, for example, Facebook claims that it owns an audience. It does have a large audience. It's got billions of people on there. But we don't exist on one channel. Now, let's say, Chris, that after this call, uh, you and I are currently connected via email. Let's say you send me a link about something that we've been talking about. Now, I find that super interesting. I might then go and find another link in a browser, and I might find it on, via Facebook or something. I might actually then copy and paste that link and then email it back to you or SMS it or WhatsApp it or write it on a bathroom wall. If I think that people I know are going to find this interesting, they're going to click that link, open it up, but then it's how do you get that understanding of who's responsible for driving more and get new engagement to it? Is this making sense? Yes. So that's what Media Protocol does. In a, in a way, it's a smart contract. You can upload URLs that you have control of or you own. You can attribute value in the form of MPT against it, and then you're allowed to completely parameterize how and what percentage of tokens should be awarded to people for reading, liking, sharing, sharing once, sharing twice, answering surveys. And when I say parameterizable, when we were, when we were working with our blockchain architect, Yosef, who actually wrote the Descent Protocol a couple of years ago, so he's got really good track record of the evolution of this space as well, uh, we were saying, you know, we were really tempted to kind of write in some hard-coded parameters. We had an opportunity, uh, Martin told myself, Yosef and Mark, to kind of build a new model in the way that we wanted to see the industry working. But we kind of said, if we, if we hard code stuff, we just replace one flawed biased model with another flawed biased model because we don't know what all the answers are. So media protocols being open sourced and made completely parameterizable because we want the industry to start experimenting with it to try and work out how best to use it and what its own future looks like, not a future dictated to by a bunch of people sitting in an office in London. Now, I'm, I'm curious, how does this, um, can you walk us through a, just a basic level um, idea of what it, what's happening with um, the current system and what specific solutions are you doing to change that? So with the current solution, uh, we will give money to a network, um, an audience, somebody who owns an audience, or possibly two or three different ones. We will buy space. 
as soon as someone clicks off that link and goes in, sorry, as soon as someone clicks on that site and goes to your link, that site, and actually to an extent you, have basically lost control of the flow of data. You don't necessarily know where it's going and who's actually then originating the next referral, the next referral, and so on and so forth. Also because you've got um, a lack of crossover or, or, or single customer view when it comes to understanding if who has seen what, who hasn't seen what, who's seen this, who's seen t'other. Now, what Media Protocol allows you to do is actually create that extra layer of transparency so that if I am an accredited actual human being, we can get into ad fraud and bots and similar attacks later on, but Media Protocol, you would still be buying and promoting space, but you might say, actually, we're going to give you X number of tokens if, they have, if this network supports it for this, uh, this person who comes in and is reading and is an actual person, or we could actually say we can flow that value down to the end user if we prefer. So as an end user, let's say that you send me a link, Chris, to say the Financial Times. Now I read, I read Campaign or Ad Week, as you call it in the US. So if you send me a link to the FT, uh, I'm gonna send a, a message back to you saying, hey mate, this is great. Could you copy and paste this for me? Or could you send me a screenshot or alternatively, please stop sending me paywalls? Now with Media Protocol, the FT can stop actually automatically assuming that it has to charge me a dollar off my credit card and get my email address. It can actually look at it from a different angle, which is say, hey, Chris, this guy, Chris, has asked James to invest, or this guy, this person, to invest his time into reading this link. And actually, hey, this, this guy's actually got some MPT, so we, or media protocol. We know he's of some value. We know he's of some value to this general ecosystem. Let's see, um, let's see what happens. Let's see how he engages with it. Now, if it turns out that I'm sharing various bits of content that have been promoted, and maybe lots of bits of content that haven't been promoted because this isn't about paying for people's attention or paying for people to share. This is about rewarding existing behavior. But it turns out I'm just an amplifier, like 25% of the population. I could have an accurate relationship. But it turns out I'm a passive consumer of content. They could look to charge me some money. They could look to actually charge me some um, tokens that I might accumulate, accumulate elsewhere. But what we don't have to do is make me start from scratch on every single website that I visit, having to accumulate value again and again and again and again. Okay. Yeah. So where are you all in the, the platform and what, what's your current roadmap? So where we've got to so far is that we've actually written, it's on our website, uh, mediaprotocol.org. You've got links to our GitHub and our um, documentation for um, how you'd implement it. So we've got the smart contract written up, number of parameters. We're currently building, because the way that we see adoption here is we're not building new browsers and new applications. We've created an SDK and a fully documented smart contract so that publishers and brands and app owners can, can integrate this across a wider ecosystem. You didn't have to download a new browser to experience HTML5, Chris. You just, it just came to you. It just happened to you, right? Yeah. Uh, this mm -hmm. sort of this sort of change we believe should just happen to people. I don't want to have to explain to my mother why she has to go and download a new browser. She is still using IE10. I'm trying desperately to get her onto Firefox before we start experimenting with the radical departure that is Chrome. But she's going to stay on IE10 because that's where she's comfortable. So that's that's one part. The other part that we, we're currently just finishing up is what we're calling Publisher Portal, which is also an open source platform or is free to access as long as you have uh, Media Protocol, which will allow brands or publishers or agencies or whoever owns these URLs to create the smart contract and the wallet around them that allows them to distribute value. Because we also figured that the last thing anyone would want to do starting to experiment with this 
know, this radical idea of blockchain and how might we use it is to go, well, here's how it works and here's your manual on writing solidity. So we tried to make it as user friendly as possible from that point of view. So we've, we've come quite a long way on that and our next steps are to fully um, make the media protocol uh, open source and then we will sit on the governance panel for the first year or chair the governance panel for year one but we're looking for people to come and join and start contributing to discussion around it okay um i want to take a a little bit deeper dive here um before we started the, the podcast today we were talking about um, creating movement and the decentralized landscape uh, what are your thoughts on that and what's your just general over, overview of decentralization and blockchain and perhaps even cryptocurrency? Oh, that's a, that's a long question. Um, or lots of potential answers. I'm, I'm going to pick on a big one here, which is, is the movements, because it's a recurring theme through your guys' podcast. And it's one that really appeals to me as well. And actually around that is, I, I think, it's so intertwined to decentralization. Um, I mentioned before, we've been, I've been trying to build technology to change the way that media marketing and advertising works for a long time. And it's beyond the point of, oh, this is just something that I'm doing because it seems like a good idea. This is something that I'm doing because I love the industry. I've been involved in it for so long, and I really want to see it survive and thrive. And blockchain is a wonderful opportunity to bring some much-needed clarity to it. Everyone in the industry assumes, or is coming from a place of, I like to believe, a place of good intention. But yeah, everyone else assumes that everyone else is acting badly. So we have basically a perfectly trustless um, economy going on brands don't trust agencies agencies don't trust media owners and the cycle keeps on going and going and going and you can reverse it in any which way you like now part of the reason that we're making a media protocol open sourced and part of the reason as i mentioned before we ripped all the hard as much of the hard coding out as we possibly could is because it's not up to us to define how people can decentralize their organization their organization or their industry they actually have the opportunity if you give them the tools and uh, yeah, we've written a load of other technology that allows this to work better right now. It's a hybrid solution, but we can delve into that another time. But if we create the tools and, and give them the support, then we can help them run and foster experiments. If we just say, oh, hey, this industry over here is full of really bad actors, and I'm going to tell you a great story about why all these people are really bad actors, but you know what? To keep on getting what you're getting from that industry, you've got to come over to me because we've built it on a blockchain, and to access this decentralized wonderland, you've got to give me all your money. That's not decentralization. That's recentralization. This is, a, uh, is the most abused term that I encounter almost on a daily basis in this space. And I find, it, I find it quite frustrating because that's certainly not what blockchain can bring to a space. It's not about, um, it's not even really about, you know, Robin Hooding anything. It's not about distribution of wealth. It's about distribution of, in my mind, I mean, opportunity to engage and also opportunity to influence the way that things can change. So, yeah, that's my, that's my two cents on on the decentralized part and certainly around the movement. So what we're trying to do with our movement is that uh, myself and Martin and Tom, who are sort of co-founders, but they're also co-founders of a business that incubated us called Kodak. And they're um, also partners in a, in a in a crypto advisory business called TLDR. We've created a, um, we've created a, a not-for-profit, another not-for-profit group, but a not-for-profit group called DSC, which stands for Digital Future Council. And what DFC does is it brings together marketeers and CMOs and heads of brand, heads of agencies and strategy with ad technologists and people involved in blockchain. Because I can count on the fingers of both hands, like the senior serious ad technologists who've gone and sat down with you know, thought leaders in the brand space or the agency space and gone, so tell me about what you do. Why is brand and advertising important? 
Most of them just sat there and gone, advertising doesn't work. I'm going to make you open 1% more email. But sadly, on the fingers of one hand, I can count the number of CMOs and heads of agencies who've ever gone and met up with serious technologists and gone, hey, how does your, um, how does your brain work? What do you think about something? Why didn't you talk to me about how we could work together? Let's, let's explore how we could work together. When these people get in rooms, they talk around each other, not at each, not, not even or at each other. They don't talk together. And when you throw blockchain in the mix, it's just like throwing gasoline on that fire. So what DSC is designed to do is create this really kind of elite level of, and we've got 40 to 50 of the best CMOs or the high-profile CMOs in the world coming together. We've got some great authorities in the blockchain space coming together. We've got some great ad technologists coming together. And what we're looking to do here is create a movement around how does media advertising and marketing, how is it going to change? We haven't got all the answers. In fact, we probably don't have any of the answers clear yet. And if we do, they're probably going to be wrong. But that's how we believe we create a movement. Now, blockchain is one of the tools that can be used to address this. And media protocol is certainly one of the approaches that people can take. And that's how we're looking at trying to create a movement. Are there, now you mentioned blockchain is, is one, one particular aspect. Are, are there others in the Digital Future Council discussion um, related to that? Yeah, I mean, AI, big data, personalization, privacy, security, brand safety, um, you name it, it's, it's, a, it's a huge movable feast. And we know that um, obviously blockchain is something that a lot of people are very intrigued with uh, at this point in time. It's something that I believe people should remain intrigued and engaged with for a very long period of time. But it's, you know, if you're going to run uh, recommendation engines and personalization platforms or better ways of engaging with people and understanding their preferences and managing their data safely, we have to involve quite a lot of um, non-blockchain technology, but that has to be able to be understood and integrated and put together in a thoughtful manner. What do you, with that big movable feast, do you think that blockchain is kind of the, the main course in that or are things, you know, equal size plates, if that makes sense, or what, what do you think the, the driver is? I mean, I would, I would, whatever I would say, I think I'd be wrong in probably about five, I'd be proven wrong in probably about five minutes time. The, <laughs> they, they, serve, they, they serve different functions. Uh, so there's a great thing called, um, are you familiar with Carbstack, which is Chris C's project? Um, they're yeah. based out in New York. So have you read his blog on Tally, which is about basically how we could, scale the number of calculations you could attribute to Ethereum by using uh, mining rigs, using the GPU or mining rigs to basically go from fuzzy to precise analytics really, really quickly. Uh, that is a really badass example of taking really hardcore AI mass parallelization challenges, looking at a way of scaling something and using them to scale something else, which is incredibly useful to the business application or the real world application that you're trying to address. Now, it happens to use it happens to use a, a blockchain mining rig as its hardware basis, but it's got about as much to do with blockchain technology as a cup of tea. But mm. it has massive implication and application to the space because it suddenly means that you can actually carry serious amounts of data and throughput on side chains or in other in other ways. So you know, we at the moment in our in the early POCs for media protocol use blockchain simply for settlement. Everything else is being run off chain, but it's going to depend how this technology develops. I mean. Okay. What do you think are maybe some developments that will happen in the next year or so in this area? I believe we're going to see some fundamental breakthroughs, and I mean amazingly fundamental breakthroughs in capacity and throughput, both in um, transaction volume and size and potential compute as well. And it's not going to be anything that I think we currently have on our radar. 
it's not going to be the order of like, oh, we've, we've made it to five digits of transactions per second and single second block times. It's going to be kind of order of magnitude. We're getting, I think we're getting that close to an inflection point in the development of blockchain technology. There's going to be something seriously significant that is going to then make it really carry over um, to the mainstream. Uh, there are plenty of people out there who have treated, um, and I believe correctly, have treated things like Ethereum as wonderful proofs of concept, wonderful ways of looking at something and have used it as a jumping off point or a starting point to accelerate their own thinking. And I think there's going to be something massive happening. So speaking kind of in that sense, with a, um, going back to the adoption piece, and you mentioned you know, your mother using Internet Explorer 10. Um, what do you think it is that, that will bring about that mass adoption and perhaps to you know, people like our parents? Well, the, the mass adoption is going to come from accepting the you know existing in the way that our point of view is like the internet is an amazing thing digital advertising everything is digital now it's kind of changed the way that this industry works and the way that the world consumes we don't need to rip it up again and reimagine it on blockchain i think we need to it's the opportunity to accept that the infrastructure is already there and we have the ability to bring that to people's wider experiences we don't need to create new applications or new locations for people to go we need to look at who is already either there or has got a good or has a good avenue in and then work with them to bring it to adoption so yeah in our instance like if you're a large publisher if you're a large advertiser if you're a large agency or whoever you could look to utilize media protocol as a result my mother could experience it by clicking on her i her account icon in um on say a newspaper website in ie10 and it goes oh hey mrs table you have a hundred of these tokens well what does that mean oh it means you can access some content uh, which we would normally charge you for, or we give you a discount off your subscription. And actually, if she goes elsewhere on the internet, because let's say she's using a Facebook OAuth, which she most likely is, uh, as mums all do love Facebook, uh, she might be able to find out that actually suddenly those tokens that she earned by reading some promoted content on the Telegraph now means that she can read something on Condé Nast or something from uh, Golf Digest, because mum's a big golfer. So suddenly she gets this flexibility. Now, in my imagination, that plays out um, with her going, hey, isn't this amazing, uh, this, this whole MPT thing, isn't this what you were working on? And me going, actually, that was what we're working on. That is what we're working on. That's what we've been doing. Because when we start trying to explain to anybody outside of this small sphere in this world that, I mean, could you imagine, Chris, I was going to say, oh, you can earn some reward uh, for reading this article. Uh, or we're going to reward you because because you read this article. Here's a thank you. But before I give you this thank you, please write down this 19-character alphanumeric key. Oh, where have they gone? That's the adoption challenge. That <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. Um, so, James, do you have any uh, final thoughts that you can share with us for today? I mean, the only final thought, the only final thought that I, I'm really happy to share with anybody is that. We're this such a wonderful cutting edge and such an amazing opportunity with this technology that anyone in this space not to look at what we're doing as solved problems or even trying to solve small scale problems. It's a real opportunity to to rip up the rule book and then begin to try and let people reimagine it and reinvent it themselves. And that's what decentralization in my mind means, being able to recreate as a larger group, um, but not to... but not to do that unless you have a decent understanding of what you're trying to change and also not to do that in a way that just says hang about we're the only ones who are right you've got to involve you've got to create movements involving huge swathes of people across all the different stakeholders and work together to try and that's how bring that to what would be seen as mass adoption 
God, that was a fluff line, that last one. I've been going well. <laughs> it, was, it was just fine. Decentralization, not recentralization. Yeah, that's a big one for me. Decentralization, not recentralization. Excellent. James, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for your time. It's been most enjoyable. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Yeah, definitely. Cool. James Tabor with MediaProtocol.org. Thanks for having me. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here. Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.